Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. Many years ago, when my two daughters were still quite young, my wife and I took them to a wildcat rehabilitation center in Georgia. And our tour of this facility culminated with a little bit of a demonstration in the arena as to how a trainer can actually train this animal that would otherwise just rip this trainer apart. And to my surprise, the trainer walked into the arena, not with a weapon uh, on his side for in case of something gets wrong to, to put that animal out, but he walked in with a bar stool. And I thought to myself, this is going to be interesting. I mean, this cat can rip this man to shreds uh, just even with a roar. And this man is bringing a bar stool into the arena to protect him from this animal. I, uh, I was dumbfounded when the trainer explained to us that that bar stool actually cripples that wild cat. That cat is used to focus on just one thing, that animal that he is chasing down. But when the trainer takes this bar stool with these three legs and shoves it in the face of this lion or tiger or what have you, that tiger becomes confused as to what leg of the bar stool he should focus it on. And as a result, he becomes just about paralyzed, confused, crippled, and he freezes and locks up. And this is the self-defense mechanism of the trainer. I was just amazed and sitting there the Spirit of God just touched me so profoundly that for many of us as sons and daughters of God we are these amazing lions so to speak and we are meant as sons and daughters of God to focus on God and Christ and the Holy Spirit and that is the spiritual life that's the Christian life but what our culture does, and at times even religion does, is it puts a three-legged bar stool in our face and it just freezes us up in the Christian life because it distracts us from our singular focus, which is Jesus Christ. In your New Testament, the Galatian believers were just about crippled because of diverse foci that came into their spiritual life. And Paul had to write the book of Galatians to bring them back to their focus on Jesus Christ. In the letters that Paul wrote to the Corinthian believers, you pick up that they were distracted from Christ and they went after other men and ministries and became so disunified 
and scattered as a Corinthian community because they lost that singular focus of Jesus Christ. The same can be said for the people in Colossae and Laodicea. Uh, They entertained philosophy. They entertained worldliness. They entertained um, ascetical practices and Jewish customs and traditions again, and even uh, Gentile customs and traditions. And as it were, Paul would say in Colossians, they are being robbed from their reward, which is Jesus Christ. It also happens to the seven churches in the book of Revelation where their singular focus on Jesus Christ is detracted to all of the, and sometimes good things out there, that is just not Christ. And it's happened uh, in, in my life quite a bit. Instead of listening to the voice of my Lord, discerning his hand on me, his movement in my life, his 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 leading, um, I just entertain what all the, the voices out there says I should entertain. And in this message, I, I want to speak into that a little bit, is that my attention gets robbed uh, quite frequently from my singular focus on Jesus Christ. And I call it, tongue-in-cheek, chameleon spirituality. You know, a chameleon conforms and transforms to whatever environment has the biggest influence upon him. And I'm not saying we as Christians are chameleons, but what I am saying is that because we are born of God, of Christ, of the Spirit, we should be conformed and transformed and renewed into the image of Jesus Christ. He should be the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and everything in between for our spiritual life. But chameleon spirituality conforms to anything that looks good, anything that even looks spiritual, anything that just has this appearance of godliness, but it robs me from my singular focus on Christ. So here's a short message. It's a word of ministry that I gave to a group of people, and I just challenged them to, yeah, hear the good shepherd and come into a personal relationship with this Jesus that we say saved us. If we call it a personal relationship, then can you personally be led by him and discern his voice and discern his rhythm and movement and hand on your life? That's what the Christian life is about. Of course, we listen to others. We appreciate others' influence. But ultimately, none of them should be a distraction from the voice of all voices, the voice of our Lord. You've heard the saying that we should dance with the one that brought us to the party. Christ brought us to the party of salvation. And we should be dancing with him. My question to you is, beloved, Do you dance with the Lord that you say brought you to the party? Or do you dance with anything and everything that may have the appearance of godliness, but is not the Lord of the dance? Beloved, do you have chameleon spirituality going on in your life? 
this is a book that's going to come out in due time, Chameleon Spirituality. You know, a chameleon just conforms and transforms to whatever he touches at that moment. I did a cruel trick on a chameleon. You should try this one day. Take a bowl of M&M's. <laughs> Take your chameleon, just drop them in there. <laughs> That's how many of us live the spiritual life. Chameleon spirituality. Beloved, there are so many good things spiritually out there. So many good books. So, so many good podcasts. So many good television. So, this is, It's good. It's genuinely of God, through God. It has the Spirit, absolutely. But you potentially are not discerning of what God is uniquely doing in you. So through chameleon spirituality, you grab this book. Then you go to this retreat. Then you go to this thing. And then you take this thing. And nothing actually is wrought into your being. You're just gaining more knowledge. And you become flustered because... Have you ever experienced this thing where you're having this walk with God, then you meet a friend and they're reading this book. Oh, you've got to read this book. Then you're all of a sudden like, uh, okay, you take this book. You're halfway through this book. Then Billy over here says, you, you got, man, we got to go to this church, that movement, this conference. We got to, you got to listen to this album. System overload. And you just lock up and you freeze up. And I've experienced that. So, I have so many people give me books. You got to read this. No, I don't. <laughs> when people ask me, what book should I read? And I get this all the time. That's why we put a couple of resources down in the library for folk. I don't tell folk what book to read. I say, what is God doing in you? What is God uniquely putting His finger upon? What is He touching in your belly, in your bosom, in your being? I may have a resource for that to complement or strengthen, encourage you in that. But this whole thing where you're just you so afraid of missing out. And that missing out spirituality is a blockage in you living and moving and having your being in God. So I take all the books that people give me, I put them on the shelf, and every now and again God touches my heart, I grab that book, and it becomes a crucial voice, a crucial truth, a crucial message to me, and there's grace on it. But if I just read everything you give me, I'll never have a chance to listen to God, even though you give me things of God. So the trick to the spiritual life is to discern the visitation and the unique moving of God in your life. If we then are supposed to have a personal relationship, then get on with being personal. Yeah? Okay, I want to show you this in Luke chapter uh, 19. So the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and He came to His own, and His own did not receive Him, the Gospel of John would say. God came and visited the Jewish people in the humanity of a man from Nazareth, born of a little girl called Miriam, Mary. And God actually was among them. And John says, we beheld His beauty and His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. They touched Him and they heard Him. God was among them. But of course, the vast majority of the Jewish people did not think that deity can indwell humanity. 
And when Jesus said to them, if you look upon me, you'll look upon the Father. I'm God with you. Uh, Thomas would say to Jesus, like, show us the Father. And he's like, uh, duh, <laughs> hello, this is it. <laughs> I've been with you all this time. He visited his people at that time. And notice this intriguing statement regarding the Jewish people and particularly the religious people and specifically the city of Jerusalem and the temple and all of the pomp and the pizzazz and the ceremony and all of the ritual. He prophesies now, of course, this is in Matthew's gospel. He prophesies that this temple is going to be leveled. The Romans are going to come in and destroy all of this. And we know that actually happened 40 years later. But he says, um, and level you to the ground, you and your children within you, the city of Jerusalem. And not one stone will be left upon another. The abomination that makes desolation, according to the book of Daniel. It's going to be raised and leveled. But notice here, because you did not know the hour of your visitation. You could not discern what God was doing in this moment. God chose not to live through prophets and priests and uh, uh, sacrificial animals anymore. God chose to come and manifest as an actual human being. And you couldn't discern that. And the result is that your house is left to you desolate, empty. And that is a picture of what happens to my house spiritually. If I don't discern how God wants to live in me and move in me and have His being within me, notice your spirituality falls flat. Your house feels empty. There's no Shekinah glory that touches down on your being. You feel dry. Because you're not discerning what is teaching you, leading you. So the whole trick to the spiritual life is not to be like a chameleon all over the place, all the time. But to carefully say, Father, Lord, Spirit, how are you working in me? And you've got to stick with God until He's done with that work. Like in the Old Testament, we have an example of the glory coming onto the tabernacle. And it just resides there. And then the glory lifts and moves, and the people had to pack up, discern that, and, and work, excuse me, move with that glory. And that is the whole trick to the spiritual life, is discern the dove upon you, the, the, the glory upon you, and stick with that thing God is teaching, sanctifying, refining. Just stay there and become, as it were, deaf to all of the other influences. Jesus said, my sheep will know my but the voice of the stranger, and of course, I'm not trying to say all of these things are strangers. These are our friends. Our books are our pals. But carefully discern what God is saying. Get the resources and you will feel like you're living in God and moving in God. And your whole being is in God. Amen. Amen. 